Good afternoon. Uh, well, afternoon at the time of recording. I don't know when you'll be listening to when you will be listening. I, you know what? Never mind. Uh, we're back again. <laughs> hey, quick one. <laughs> so yesterday I was annoying Leonard and Edwin about this thing I saw about Ofcom, Office of Communications. It's basically Britain's, let's say, portraits. Um, so they were they were saying there's this program that they call automatic compensation, uh, which I found very interesting. So just a brief overview is that if your ISP has downtime, it has to compensate you. As a Zimbabwean, I felt a an excitement I hadn't felt in a really long time to be like, <laughs> there are countries that actually incentivize ISPs to be able to do this. So just briefest description. So before we get into, into the, in the meat of it, so they, they, uh, a bunch of uh, British ISPs have joined. So BT, EE, Hypertonic, Sky, Talk, Talk, um, Utility Warehouse, Virgin Media, Vodafone, Zen Internet. Some of these might not make sense to you, but for, you know, they're just internet service providers. So what do you receive compensation for? He's a really cool part. So the problem number one is delayed repair following loss of service. So if the service has stopped working and has not been fully fixed within two full working days, you'll get eight pounds 40, which is around 11 bucks uh, USD. Uh, missed appointment. So if you call up an engineer to come and fix or a technician and they miss an appointment, they pay you 26 pounds, 26.24 per missed appointment. Um, delays with start of a new service. So this usually happens when you're transitioning and someone promise or an ISP promises that you should get your, um, uh, your new service started by the state and that doesn't happen you get paid five pounds, 25 pence for each calendar delay. Gentlemen, thoughts, queries, suicidal tendencies. Let me hear it. They know, they understand. They are the strong stuff. I mean, yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> it makes sense, eh? So that's, I don't know, like some part in me just says, you know what? That's what a regulator is supposed to do, mate. Supposed to make sure that ISPs are accountable. People are relaxing out here. So, so yeah, I like it, man. Like downtime is loss of productive timing. Eh? And also, yeah, like if you pay for that service, the, the contractual obligation they have is to make sure that for the duration of your subscription that you have paid for that uh, service, it's available. They make it available to you. Uh, well, within their T's and C's. But yeah, like... Why not? That's how it's supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I think it's 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 the kind of conversation we've been having. I think in Zimbabwe, because it, it really does feel like we we are taken for granted sometimes. Uh, the downtimes are just you you expect it to understand, and that's the thing. Like we were, we were discussing that other time that uh, it's in their interest. It's to their benefit when your service is down, especially let's say when you have an unlimited plan or something like that. So two hours you're offline and I mean, their bandwidth gets one less person on it. So they actually benefit from you not having service, but with this kind of uh, scheme, they, they actively don't want you to be offline because it costs them. Mm. Like, money like so so this is excellent and i i really hope portras looks at this and says you know what we need to bring this to zimbabwe because like i said this is the strong stuff we need this yeah, most assuredly and I, and I think it, it it should not just be for zimbabwe it should not just be isps i think it should be mnos as well i think leo we talked about it yesterday more yeah. political operators are probably the people that need this the most 
because number one, Takawandi said we're a lot of people that use mobile data. And mm. if these figures are as, you know, let's just say an approximation of it um, in Zimbabwe, they will lose money every single time there is downtime. Uh, and what downtime means is not something else entirely for mobile network operators uh, as opposed to ISPs. Because for ISPs, we know um, Tel, uh, Tel One is currently suffering an outage. Or uh, yesterday they said that a digger cut one of the one of the main fiber lines. Um, and the unfortunate thing about Tel One is that they will then have to deal with the city of Harare because that digger also hit a water line. So they have to attend to the water before they get to the uh, before Tel One can work on the on the fiber. So if this was the case in Zimbabwe, Taiwan would literally be at the city of Asari knocking on doors. But guys, we need this to be fixed right now. Because if we don't get this up in 24 hours, we are then going to have to pay. And these are four or five suburbs that didn't have um, internet or had service disruption, as, 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 the, as the statement said. So that incentive is really powerful to say, Amy, 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 make sure, make sure <laughs> you fix your things. And quality of service again, because I, I was going through it and Ofcom is basically saying this is quality of service, quality of service assurance. And this program was started in 2019, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, in 2019, when the program started, they paid, was it 20 million pounds in compensation in about six months? That is a massive deterrent. ISPs are like, yeah. I, we don't want, and that was a 600,000 uh, payments. So it, it's a massive deterrent for, for internet service providers because they're like, no, our, our system can't be off. And just for context, this is also for landline as well, as well as broadband, because in some cases in the UK or in Britain, you can get both under one, like this is in Zimbabwe, could you tell one, no one uses phones, but landlines, but you can get, you can, <laughs> get, you can. You can yeah, if you want. Yeah, you can get your, you know, um, landline as well as your, your internet on the same package. So I vibe with this. Like, this is something that Podrest should actually be drafting a framework for. Uh, this is, you know, quality. I know the, now this is why I defer to, 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 to Leonard about the actual economics of, of it, because it's not as simple here, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so it's, it's not. So, so like we were discussing, I mean, uh, let's take tell one since it's the current example. So uh, we were talking about, okay, so who really foots this bill? Because when it's not your, your fault, uh, let's say, uh who, who provides uh okay let's not go there but let's let's just say let's say there's something wrong with the subsea cable company or whatever this other fiber company that provides that bandwidth to you and you as telephone are just you you're you're providing to the final person and it's not your fault uh and are you are you going to to, to pay this eight dollars forty eight pounds actually per person per day uh well yes you do but we we're talking about you having to to negotiate with your own suppliers as tier one uh -huh. so that they understand that you will be on the hook for this compensation for their own for their uh, incompetence so if they do that to you 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 should be able to get some kind of compensation yourself, or to negotiate uh, a downward rev a revision of your own costs to your supplier, so that you're not on the hook for something that's not your fault. Uh -huh. uh, in cases like this, when a digger does that, and I don't know who would be on the hook for that, uh, I don't know. But there's that whole thing where yeah, we cannot penalize companies. For 
or for things they have no control over. So they have to deal it out with their own suppliers. Mm. It works out in the end because someone somewhere is at fault and that someone is the one who's supposed to pay and that should incentivize them to make sure that their services are always up and running. And whenever something happens, and it's reasonable because they say, like Ofcom is saying, for the delayed repair following loss of service, they're saying after two full working days, I mean, so you have two full working days to resolve the issue. After that, we're saying, you know what, you should have fixed this. And I think two days is reasonable, I would, I would say. So yeah, works out. Telecommunications, Dr. Engineer Chabuka, since you're the man who with all the answers <laughs> on this stuff, <laughs> like if a fiber, if a fiber cable breaks, um, yeah. as an example, like how long does it take? Let's say first to locate it because these things aren't like internet in your but you might not know where the, the break has happened. Um, so how do you locate uh, the break? Yeah, how long does it take to repair? All that kind of stuff. If, if this two days, let's let's use Ofcom standard of two days being a reasonable amount of time to get services back up. So, so the cool thing about fiber is it's actually the easiest one to troubleshoot eh? because mm. the equipment you can use to test if there's a fiber break is pretty accurate. So, uh, right, since since you asked for it, I'm going to go technical. There is, <laughs> there, is <this> tool, <laughs> there is this tool called an, an OTDR, uh, Optical Time Domain Refractometer. Uh, yeah, you might want to Google that one. But basically, that's the tool you use to check the quality of a fiber link. And if there is a break, it will actually tell you how far the break is from where you're testing. So if you know the fiber network that you have laid out and you have a map of it, or probably you're the one that laid it out, it's something that you can figure out in like 10 minutes. You'll know that, okay, there is a fiber break here and it's going there. The actual equipment itself will actually notify you if there is a fiber break. So there are, so the, the so there is a, a, there is a system that will distribute internet into a certain area. And this system needs confirmation from the devices connected to it to know if the connection is still up. So as soon as, as, soon as there is any disturbance within a connection, that system will pick it up, it'll send an alarm, and whoever, whichever technician who's on duty there can see that alarm and then go and attend to it. The alarms get louder, uh, the more important the link is. So a link to another exchange, for example, will raise a very big alarm compared to a link to a certain house, for example. So the bigger the fault it is, the quicker they'll be able to identify it um, and attend to it. And then if it is a fiber break, uh, the actual, we call it resplicing, just joining the cables together. Again, it doesn't take a really long time. The equipment is pretty, is pretty efficient for fiber. So it's just a matter of identifying the cut, cleaning it up. So cleaning it up is just removing the rough ends of it and then using the splicing equipment to uh, to join these cut fibers, which is something that can take about two minutes per fiber core. So yeah, in an hour, you might be done with a cable that has 48 cores or something. 
uh, I don't know if the math checks out. I just I'm just randomly checking figures. But <laughs> essentially, if it's a if it's a fiber break, it doesn't take that long to to identify it and to sort it out. The only thing that might take time uh, in terms of getting that fault resolved is either the tools to resolve that fault are not available or um, or there is no one who is available to attend that fault. So, so that's distance usually wise, distance wise to say someone can't be in the area close enough and people have to then travel out there to then attend to the fault. Yes. And then we, if we couple yes. that with Zimbabwe's roads that are not the best, you might be in an area that is not well paved and that, especially now when it's raining, like it's been raining forever, uh, might complicate things. And in Tawad's case, yeah, <laughs> there's a water line below. So yeah, you need to deal with, with the local authorities who, in my experience, work at their own pace. Yeah, you don't rush them. <laughs> Doesn't go on I like can't. that. <laughs> You can't just be standing lazily. Yeah, but I, I like what you said, Leo. Now, downstream wise, if we then look at if it's, the city of Harare was the cause of the delay to then attend to the to the what to the burst pipe, this is just hypothetical. They would ultimately, I'm mm-hmm. sure, be the ones who have to then uh, repay what, uh, in this case, if this was inst- instituted in Zimbabwe, Taiwan, what they pay their customers for uh, for the downtime. Also, the person who left the digger there, like, I mean. Mm-hmm. The questions that I have that I have that I'm like, okay, like was this not marked out as an area? Like I, I don't know, maybe Ed can answer this, but when when fiber is laid, do they leave markers of where the fiber is uh, in an area or is Ah uh, yeah. Uh, okay, so that one, that one is an interesting one. Uh, there are standards to it that should be followed by all. ISPs, I don't know if all of them follow it, uh, but uh, one of the few people that I know who still adhere to these standards are tell one. So usually what you do is um, if it is a main line that's going in, an, in a highway, they actually put some, some tubes underneath the ground at a certain distance, usually a meter or more. And in these tubes, that's where they will feed all the cables that they want to feed. And then right above it, they will put some sort of like brick slabs that will, uh, that will be directly on top of these tubes. And then on top of these uh, brick slabs, they will then put a warning tape that will write the name of the ISP and what, is, what it is that is underneath this, um, this warning tape. So if it's tail one, it will be written tail one fiber, tail one fiber, tail one fiber, going all the way to following the path of wherever it is that they laid their cables. So it's that's how it should be done. I'm not too sure if that's what was done in that particular area, but every ISP needs to make sure that whatever it is they put underground is identifiable. And then after it's identifiable, they also need to ensure that uh, they consult the council so that they get a map of other services that are underground within whatever area that they want to put in their service. So if it's sewer lines, if it's water lines, if it's power lines that are underground, they'll get those maps and then they then have to figure out how they can um, how they can dig around that and make sure that the the different services don't interfere with each other. Nice. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So it's a bus. 
there's something I actually forgot to ask Leo yesterday. Um, because we talked about it yesterday when we were talking about uh, one of the provisions is that um, the, the the fees that are done by Ofcon in this program are adjusted for inflation due to the consu- uh, based on the consumer uh, price index. If it happens in Zimbabwe, with the way we've seen, like the way prices kind of, you know, lag behind, especially if it's like a government thing. Uh, I remember, was it December when Zinara just decided to put, to, to mark up all the inflation and exchange rate stuff on toll gate fees, um, you know, in a month, in, in that month, and it was during the, the, the holiday period and people are traveling. So my question basically is that, is, is this even feasible in Zim to 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 match these the, the prices to uh to, to the consumer price index or inflation? Yeah, so so that's that's the unfortunate part in Zim, and I mean that's that's why there's all this friction between the retailers and the governments as well because our currency is just fast depreciating. So just pegging anything in in in, in our local currency. It's, it's, it's futile. Uh, you, you just have to peg it against the, the greenback and they won't allow it. But it will be like in this case, uh, whatever fee they agree on, they'll have to, re- to review it like every month for it to make sense. And even that 30 days is a long time. And uh, yeah, I mean, three weeks into the month, I mean, the figures they would have agreed on would not make any sense. But, and like they were saying, uh, how, when do people receive compensation? They were saying 30 days after that whole thing happens, that's when the person receives the money, which I guess they uh, need 30 days to sort out everything. Um, but in Zim, you don't want anyone holding on to your, to your Zim dollars for 30 days. Uh-huh. You want it now. But yeah, I guess it's just Zim. They would, they would have to work it out. Or I, I don't know what they would do. But I think for me, the important thing, and I think we, had, we mentioned it today, I think we talked about it yesterday, that how, uh, what, what people need to do to receive compensation, which is essentially nothing. They just have to report the fault and then everything will be taken care of. They don't have to to submit any forms, to fill out anything, to go to any office building for them to receive this compensation for delayed repairs or, or delays with the start of a new service. So that would, that would, would uh, I don't know, that, 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 that is nice. It doesn't fix that whole depreciation thing, but at least you know that when that happens, you can just expect that the money will come in after 30 days or so. 30 to 40 days, I think. So it, it's something, I guess. Yeah, true. <laughs> because depreci- I think they'd have to peg it at US dollar rates, like what they do with passports and stuff. Because, like, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's even a great incentive for local ISPs uh, to be like, yeah, you're going to have to give out hard currency. Even that could be in the form of a uh, credit to their, to, their, um, to their package every month. Or in other words, is it being transferred or being collected as cash? I think the harder you make it for them to escape the payout, the more they will then focus on the internal systems to make things work. Because I like what you said earlier, like they take us for granted. It's not even kind that they do. Like it's wild the way that, you know, customers are not, you know, looked at as we should be caring and considering, uh, be caring and considerate to these people because they, they, they're literally our business. Uh, in some cases, you know, I was looking at the comments from the Taiwan event, the Taiwan uh, outage, and some people were saying the, the situation has been like this for five days. 
and we're seeing this like the morning mm-hmm. after on after the after the Easter holiday, and I'm like, there's something you immediately say, immediately get on top of, you know, at least people will know. Mm-hmm. I mean, do the bank ABC way. And yeah, there's an outage. We've reported it, we're fixing it, but when it'll be fixed is, is, is something else entirely. <laughs> Yeah, so true, so true. Yeah, and and uh, that's the part that needs to improve. Even before uh, we know, if Portos is to take this on, it will take uh, a little time before it's a reality. But I mean, the companies just have to to get on top of it. I mean, you don't need people uh, just bombarding you, your social media accounts, and uh, everyone complaining all of it. And when the media picks up on it, then you 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 issue out a statement. I mean. When something happens, they should just own up to it and just advise their customers on, on, on what's going on. And that's the part that needs to improve. To be honest, yeah, in Zimbabwe, it's a mess right now and it's everywhere. Governments, uh, private businesses, no one is really, no, no, I won't say no one, but I mean, most of these companies we're dealing with, especially in this space, uh, it, it seems there is that kind of, Okay, we'll try to fix it in the background before anyone notices and just, and that will be that. But I mean, we just want to know what's going on because sometimes we, because you know what, sometimes we'll be using these old computers and everything and you're like, you think there's something wrong with your equipment and you're, you're phoning in some repair guy and you're like, it has to be me because there's nothing on this uh, online. It has to be me. And I mean, they should just come out and say it like it is. Is this yeah. problem we're waking it up in the first hour? Yeah. Mm. You know, you know what, what? What makes me even more um, impressed by the motivations of this program is that it's voluntary. It's not mandated that companies need to sign up for this. The fact that they've got so many ISPs on board means that there's probably <laughs> a, a really, really vested interest in trying to improve quality. Um, Mm-hmm. and the signing up part and it is where it becomes difficult for zim because the signing up part it, it then you know tell one's all uh africom power tell uh you know she dark it yeah dark Night africa dark fiber africa dark fiber africa uh Uta and yeah. De, like the, for zimbabwe the only way and i and i don't want to sound like i'm 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 a fan of totalitarianism but the only way to make this actually work is to make it <laughs> mandatory <laughs> But I think if one joins the scheme, like that will be a, a marketing point. Mm, true, true, we join to this, it means we, we are promising that you will have uh, your service. So like, why are you not joining? Like we'll have questions. Like, so you are you're essentially telling us that you cannot promise that we'll have an uninterrupted service. So it could work in that in that way as well. But yeah, like you think, I mean, we could need to to put some some kind of thing on top of, of it just to make sure everyone joins in. Mm. Yeah, and, and Ed, you were talking yesterday about the contractual obligation. Uh you touched on it, but like the uptime that you you should receive as a customer. I've not gone and I, I don't read through the terms and conditions. I don't need the stress <laughs> of, of knowing how I sign my soul away. Yeah. It's done, Jeff Arana. Let's just move on with life. <laughs> so what are the uptimes like for, for ISPs? Well, usually the, the uptimes for ISPs are in the upper 90 percentile. So it's your 99 point something. I'm, I'm just trying to check the, oh, they didn't put it there. 
but I think at tier one it was somewhere around 19, 99.7% uptime. And that little 0.3% is is downtime that they will say can be attributed to either system maintenance or system upgrades. Uh, otherwise, nothing should affect uptime at all apart from those things. So it's a pretty high one. Uh, I don't know if everyone is keeping with that, but yeah, that's what they say. To, that's what they state in their contract. If you sign up for their services, they will highlight the uptime that you should expect from them. Okay. So that means that, yeah, the, what Lee was saying about it being a marketing point as well is because they can push on that and say, yeah, you know, whoever it is, let's start with Africon or Powertel, uh, my favorite uh, CMDMA provider. <laughs> uh, we promise you, <laughs> we promise you 99% uptime. Uh, and judging by this, uh, going by this, you know, this ISP treaty you are bound by, we will pay you every single day that you don't have internet. I mean, yeah, yeah who would not, you know, <laughs> want to flock to, you know, CMDMA after that because they know that you're getting money out of it. And and also, I think we've got to mention it's an automatic compensation. Like I think Leo said it. Like there's nothing you have to do. Yeah. Like you don't have to then start, yeah. you know, filing complaints. Zol Liquid Home is probably the worst of this. Lodging a complaint, <laughs> getting a number via email. Up, it depends. Which I have three email addresses, so now I remember which one I registered with, and then waiting for them to then fix the problem, and then going back with that same case number. And then this one instance, someone said they couldn't find it. So how can you not find something you send me on email? Like, yeah. So yeah, mm. it, it then makes. I think it also helps customer services as well. I think Leo mentioned it, Kuti. They are now at the position where their customer services have to be helpful and have to be able to help diagnose. Uh, help the customer diagnose the problem. Not goody. If you see, like what happened to me, goody, my loss of signal light is on, and someone's telling me to restart the router. Like my G, I try that. Like <laughs> I, I called you because I tried everything that I could possibly try. Restart it, leave for five minutes, come mm-hmm. back. I'm still getting the light, and they're saying, "Oh, why don't you try it while while, while we're on here?" I'm like, the phone will cut. Like, yeah yeah it is frustrating and like of course like ask me if i tried something it's okay for you to ask did you try switching it off and on and if i say yes we move on from there you don't have to yeah be condescending and so so yeah if this would comes to zoom this offcom thing yeah they would have to to improve there because they're sorely lacking there I, i i have to say they would they would be on the hook for massive uh, penalties in, at, at this current state. And they would have to really uh, revamp their customer service offices and uh, operations because ooh, they, they don't serve you. Like those guys, they just want, like I, 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 I talked about it this other time, like, like are these guys paid on like how many calls they took? Because I know that the supervisors, of course, cannot... <laughs> They cannot go through every single call. So, you know what, they just sample and, and try out a few of them and, and, and think, okay, all is well. But these guys, sometimes they're so impatient and they're just not helpful at all. You're like, how are they getting away with this? And why are they so impatient as well? Like, this is, yes, I understand it's a cost to the business and they understand it, especially when it's a toll-free number and everything. But if you don't serve me as the customer, then 
yes, I'm forced to, to conclude that of, you want to maximize the number of calls you take more than uh, just how many people you really helped. And it's, it's frustrating. Very, very frustrating. Um, yeah, it's, it, yeah. I, I'm hopefully portrayed as listening because this is something that would then shake things up uh, because now quality is what people are now more concerned by. More so because if I was reading on Ofcom's website about this, there's like during the COVID pandemic, there were a bunch of of of, um, of uh, faults that were happening uh, uh, in the wake of him. So this came a little bit before, but they saw a spike in errors and things because of obviously people using more of the internet uh, than they did before for various things so the whole payout thing during the pandemic made sense because you know now companies are like yeah we don't want to be paying you know combined 20 million tests we then have to find ways of making this work to the best of its ability uh, and it, system refinements as well because you, you'd imagine that and i would defer this to the engineer as our last point to be like people then keep on top of their systems regularly they they now do you know uh, preventative measures that they would they would not normally have done because like if the fault happens you know we'll just go and fix it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, facts. It would I, I think it would force it would it would just force them to, and it's uh, it it's frustrating for me in the sense that downtime just means that um, I will trust your service less, and so. I will start having alternatives. So for example, there is, a, there is a tweet that someone posted a couple of days back. And in this tweet, they were saying, it was a person asking how anyone needs two SIMs in their phone. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, that's because you can't trust any single service provider in SIM. <laughs> you need to have them all yeah. just in case one of them, because it is not a matter of if, but a matter of when your current service provider is going to let you down at a very crucial uh, moment and then you need an alternative. So it's one of those things where I'll be using Zoll and then Zoll just does something for a couple of months that frustrates me and I'm like, you know what? I'm using Telco now. And then I use Telco, but then I don't throw away Zoll. I just keep it in my drawer. I'm like, just in case, just in case Telco does something, <laughs> I'm going to switch. <laughs> but that's the thing that all these gaps where you're losing your customer because your service was poor and they send, they take their money to a, a competitor. And then you now have to wait for that competitor to provide a poor service for this customer to hopefully come back to you. I mean, it's something that then makes it very inconsistent revenue wise for the companies, but you would think that it's a big enough motivational factor for them to ensure that services always stay in tip-top condition, but alas, alas, they don't, they don't really care. Yeah. Well, I sincerely hope our friends at Potras are listening. Uh, we would be gleeful. Uh, we would jump to the moon or something like this was to, to be instituted locally because it would solve a lot of problems and hopefully in, increase uh, uh, service quality. Um, yeah. So we'll be back again, I think soon with another short one of these because I'm dragging these guys out of their shells, even though they don't want to. <laughs> <laughs>